Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver Newsroom. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. When it comes to investment, many of us look to others for advice and guidance and management of funds, but many also self-direct their investments. They trade, they transfer funds, they keep a very scrutinous eye on the ball, and, and they want the tools, of course, to do so. But a new study from the J.D. Power Global Marketing Research Information Firm finds that many firms helping investors, particularly younger investors, are missing the mark in providing the digital experience so necessary now. Mike Foy is the Senior Director of Wealth and Lending Intelligence at J.D. Power, and he joins me now to talk about this. Good to have you on the show. Great to be here, Kirk. Listen, let's talk about what millennials are looking for. Uh, you know, What do millennials want in, uh, in how they self-direct their investment? Sure. I think you know one of the things that millennials want, whether it's in investing or whether it's in any other aspect of their lives as consumers, uh, is the the convenience and ease of access that um, mobile technology can provide. Right. Mm-hmm. So they want to. Um, they obviously do lots of things on their phones, and um, so you know the ability to through a, an investing app to not only make trades, but be able to conduct all sorts of other transactions, whether it's moving funds, whether it's checking balances, um, whether it's even engaging in you know, researching investment options, um, being able to deliver that experience in a mobile-friendly way uh, that allows them to do um, more or less anything they could do you know, on a laptop um, you know, on, on a mobile device is uh, increasingly important, I think, for investors in general, but in particular for that, that younger group of folks who are uh, just moving into the, the, the world of investments. I can understand where everybody would want access to the digital technology as a tool, but is this generation specifically one of mobility and, and where, where that smartphone has to be really the central tool? Yeah, I think we really are moving towards, particularly with millennials, towards a, a kind of a mobile-first uh, kind of mentality, and, and in some cases, even a mobile-only mentality, really, wow. where yeah. Yeah. Um, they're using phones um, you know, as the primary or even the exclusive way of going online and, and interacting with uh, different providers of services. So, uh, you know, and we do see evidence in our study data um, you know, not only is, you know, usage of mobile as a channel um, higher among millennials than it is among older demographic groups, which you'd expect, um, but we're actually starting to see um, evidence that <clears throat> um, some of that mobile activity is not just augmenting or supplementing um, digital transactions through, through a traditional laptop or desktop. Um, but is actually replacing it. So, yeah, wow. for instance, we see that boomers uh, boomers actually have considerable more um, non-mobile online interaction with their firm than millennials do. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so, again, some of that uh, activity is moving away from um, a laptop and moving towards uh, a mobile device for the millennial generation. Do you think that, that there's um, uh, mobile-first uh, world or or this uh, need for you know the the greatest possible tools is is a little different in those that are self directing funds than those that are necessarily depending on you know one of the traditional firms to help them with their investments. Sure, I, 
I think we see the phenomenon occurring in both the advised and self-directed world, mm-hmm. but I do think it's it's different. Um, certainly, you know, generally speaking, self-directed investors um, are going to be um, much more actively engaged. Um, you know, you know, folks who have an advisor, you know, will have a tendency to, uh, to some extent, to kind of delegate making decisions to that advisor. Um, some folks are just, you know, don't have the time or the interest to, uh, to really follow things closely. But we do see, you know, uh, we do see the broad trend occurring even on the, uh, the full, full service side or the advised side where uh, even folks who are working with an advisor and who value that, you know, human advice and guidance are still showing signs of being more interested in being able to access key information uh, and self-serve through uh, things like mobile technology. Yeah, you, and you want to see essentially up-to-the-minute results of what's uh, what your investments are doing. But So what does the study, do you think, point to in terms of dissatisfaction among millennials? How, how would you quantify it? Because it, the, the idea of just requiring more technical tools or is, is a bit of a broad one. Are there other specific things you think they're looking for here? Yeah, so I think, I mean, mobile is just one piece of the puzzle. I think it's kind of an interesting time um, with millennials in particular because I think a lot of them have really gotten interested in the world of investments recently, um, particularly in Canada due to um, a number of factors, including uh, cryptocurrencies and uh, and cannabis, right, mm-hmm. which have prompted a lot of, of interest in investment um, that has driven many people for the first time to uh, to investing, um, I think what we see in terms of, of kind of specific opportunities the firms in this space have to uh, to create loyal clients within that group. Um, so it's 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 an, you know it's enabling um, a mobile experience that's intuitive and that that um, provides them with the ability to do what they can do um, on a laptop on a mobile. Um, but there are other elements that we see as well in the study. Um, you know, one of one big one is actually related to transparency around fees. Uh-huh. So um, yes. we see evidence that millennials are number one more more fee sensitive in many ways. Um, I think they're used to being able to do easy kind of comparison shopping online um, and make switching decisions fairly easily uh, because of of kind of the digital capability. And um, we see that millennials were much less likely than older investors to say they um, actually understood what their fees were. Right. So um, this has been an issue that has gotten quite a bit of attention in the industry in Canada uh, over the past few years, um, in part because of the CRM2, um, uh, you know, mandates that required additional disclosures around fees. Um, but we see a pretty big gap um, where, uh, among boomers, for instance, 58% of self-directed Canadian investors said they completely understand the fees that they're paying for the services. Um, it's just 34% among millennials. Oh, interesting. Uh, and that's certainly, yeah. yeah, that perception of high cost or lack of understanding of fees um, is a big part of what um, you know, yeah. either creates or inhibits loyalty. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to mention specific firms, but very clearly, there's a lot of advertising in this space where um, the the issue of fees are are very much front and center in terms of the the decision making that investors have to be with particular firms or whatever. I, I wonder, though, Mike, whether you might also think that uh, the culture of the internet 
um, you know, the the presence of of companies that do that provide services that seem to be free or near free. Uh, I wonder whether that kind of permeates this space as well too, where where millennials actually have a different expectation about someone's um, someone's fee structure because it appears as if a lot of things that you can do online and through mobile are free or relatively free. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. I think I think um, it that is a context that is a or a lens through which um, millennials are likely to view um, these kinds of things. And it and it's not just it's not limited to uh, to just you know other kinds of services, right? I mean, you see um, platforms, um, you know, just to use a, an example from the U.S., um, you know, a Robinhood that actually does support free trading. Right. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, there are services out there that are either providing free trading fees, um, or, you know, there are other sort of different models emerging that are less sort of focused on, uh, you know, purely kind of transactional, um, you know, commission fees. I mean, I think about somebody like, uh, Charles Schwab in the U S also, who, um, just launched uh, a, uh, a subscription-based uh, fee model for their uh, their they don't call it a robo advisor, but they're kind of their digital advice platform, right? And so that's that's something the subscription model, given the way that people pay for things like Netflix or Spotify, um, you know, particularly kind of resonates, I think, with younger consumers. And so I think you're right. I think there's a lot of potential for um, you know, for there's a, there's certainly a lot of downward pressure on on fees. Um, we've seen them come down significantly um, in recent years and are likely to continue to keep coming down. Uh, but I think firms also need to look at creative ways of of pricing the services they deliver uh, yeah. above and beyond just that support for uh, trade execution. Before we get to to how these firms need to respond, and, and I think you've alluded to it already, but it. it I, the study found that millennials are actually pretty aggressive investors, and, and I wonder whether that also makes them um, more fickle. I think it does. I mean, I, I think they they are. Um, you know, there's there has been some um, speculation. I think that millennials, because they uh, to some degree uh, came of age during the last financial downturn, uh, that that might have left them um, more conservative about investing than. Uh, than older uh, generations were, um, the evidence from our studies, you know, suggests that they that they are more uh, aggressive investors, in line with what you would historically think, just given their, um, you know, the the time horizon that they have for uh, retirement. Um, but I think as far as uh, more fickle, you know, that's certainly true. I mean, as a um, as a group, in terms of their satisfaction with their provider in our study, uh, they are not actually the lowest or least satisfied group. Um, they're actually more satisfied than, say, Gen Xers. Uh, mm-hmm. But when we specifically ask them about their intentions to consider leaving their firm, um, they're by far the highest, right? So I think we had the quote in the, in the press release that 27% of millennials are at least considering switching providers over the next 12 months. Yeah, that um, would so that would probably scare it would scare a lot of firms that are handling their funds right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
And um, I think part of it is that they have, uh, again, because of things like, you know, the emergence of digital advice and these, these uh, fintech providers, um, they, I think, are open to more different kinds of models. Um, so it's not just, you know, do I work with CIBC or TD or RBC? Um, there are independents like Quest Trade, of course, and Q Trade. There are, um, and, and there's an increasing number of different kinds of, you know, digital platforms or uh, fintech companies that um, millennials are likely to be more aware of and, and more open to considering as an alternative. Apart from this uh, massive technological intersection with investing uh, through mobile and specifically, this is, of course, not the first uh, investor satisfaction study. It's the 11th one that now your, your company has done. Um, I wonder, is, is there a, a generalized way of talking about how the attitudes of younger investors might have changed over this space of time? Because in fact, you're right, this, you know, your studies coincide with the last economic convulsion we had. Uh, so during this period where we haven't had it, how, how have things changed, do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, we have certainly seen um, some correlation between, uh, you know, market performance, market conditions, and investor satisfaction over the years, right? So, uh, you know, we've we've done um, surveys in both the U.S. and Canada, in both the self-directed and full-service channels for um, you know well over a decade. And um, you know, when we did see the downturn, we saw satisfaction scores among investors with their firms decline pretty sharply. Um, and since then, they've kind of been gradually rising as we've gone through relatively. You know, with a couple of exceptions, um, a couple of interruptions, uh, relatively positive, you know, um, economic and market conditions. Yeah. Um, so generally, the overall trend has been that uh, investors seem more satisfied with their provider. Um, but again, I think that, you know, satisfaction and loyalty, particularly among younger investors, are not necessarily one and the same. And so um, those, uh, I think, firms in this space should not be not be complacent simply because uh, they may have seen their scores go go up over a, you know a, a long-term trend yeah we talk in all kinds of industries about having to reshape them uh, in order to um, to meet the audience or the uh, the market where it is in this case how you know as we conclude our conversation how do you think the industry needs to reshape itself to meet the millennials where they are? Well, I think, I mean, certainly mobile is, is, a, is a huge part of it. Um, uh, so, so being able to, again, um, in a lot of cases, uh, the, the, the incumbents in the industry have fallen behind um, what's happening in terms of mobile user experience, uh, both among fintechs and just more broadly among um, brands that are in in the mobile world. Uh, so I think the expectations that those customers have is that they're going to get get the kind of um, intuitive, convenient mobile experience, um, you know, that they get from uh, other brands that they interact with outside of financial services. Um, so that's a huge one. And I and the other thing again is to just emphasize I think the the issue of fees. Um, I think working towards greater transparency um, of fees, um, 
financial services obviously is a complex, um, highly regulated world. Uh, and I think there's a lot of confusion around, you know, what people are actually paying, you know, above and beyond just that per trade fee that tends to get um, highlighted in the advertising messages. But um, what are what are people really paying? And um, and what are they really getting? Like, what are what is the full value that those companies can provide them um, to help them, you know, make better decisions and and um, feel more confident about their financial future? It's a little bit perhaps outside the study, but I think you alluded to it earlier that there is not quite a race to the bottom around fees, but clearly a, a diminishing of them at times in order to, and as as companies become more transparent, they're having to recognize that perhaps they were they were charging more than perhaps the market would bear but do, do you think that it's going that maybe this generation is going to shift the investment firms in such a way as to as to really uh, radically disrupt their 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 infrastructure almost yeah I mean I, I do think that again that the 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 reliance on the revenue generated by transactions, is going to continue to be um, less and less important to these firms. I think the percentage of their revenues that are generated by um, by transactions is already, you know, has has declined significantly over the years. And so it almost costs them less um, to do more incremental cuts. Um, and I think really where they kind of make that back is um, in you know in fees for um, for, you know, value add services provided. So, um, things like digital advice, I think is a huge kind of opportunity for, um, you know, not just millennials, but in particular for millennials, as they kind of gain wealth and their financial lives become more complex, um, many of them are going to need, um, you know, some kind of advice and guidance. Um, they may not, uh, either be interested in or, or have the wealth necessary to have a traditional full service advisor. Um, but they, you know, many of them are not interested in, in spending the, the time and developing the knowledge needed to really be, um, truly, uh, self-directed, uh, investors. And so, you know, getting help with things like asset allocation, um, getting the kind of help that technology, um, paired with, uh, some kind of human support can provide um, is something that I think people will be willing to to pay for. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if they understand what they're getting and they understand, you know, how they're paying for it. Yeah, exactly. Well, the study is uh, is really insightful. I'd recommend people going to the JD Power site to to have a look at uh, information about this uh, this new survey. But Mike, I want to thank you for your help today. It's been a really great conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me, Kirk. Mike Foy is the Senior Director of Wealth and Lending Intelligence at J.D. Power. You've been listening to BIV Today. I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you next time. 